my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where we are talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We are talking about the decentralized revolution that is happening right before our very eyes. And, you know, I understand that not everybody sees the importance of what's going on. Um, maybe it's like uh, the proverbial, you know, frog in the pot of boiling water. You don't notice it around you, or, or maybe it's like watching paint dry. But it is happening, and history books will be written about this point in time. I know my grandkids are gonna think back and go, "Man, I can't believe my great my my granddad or my great granddad bought all that Bitcoin. Um, it is going to be that big." And you know, we 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 talk a lot about. A lot of different things. Uh, you know, I, I cover the price a little bit. I like to say that the price is a distraction because, really, in a new technology, an emerging technology, we're looking for the the underlying or the fundamental things that are happening that that uh, I'll, you know make us think that it's going to be so much bigger than it is. Um, if you're listening to me each and every week, 
Uh, well, first off, if you're not listening to me each and every week, then you should be. And so why don't you just pull out your phone right now, put a put a timestamp, uh, put a calendar appointment on this channel at this time. Uh, it'll be the most profitable part of your week. Um, but I like to say each and every week that um, the price is distraction. We want to look at two things. And so we want to look at um, the growth of the network, how many users are using the network, and we want to look at the development that's happening on the network. So those are kind of the two things that we want to be looking at. And as long as the network's growing, more and more users are using it, um, and development is happening on it, um, then we know that everything's still in, on track and that the future should be looking very, very bright. And so I like to look at those things. That, that tells me more about the future. I think trying to you know, think what the price is going to be by next week or next month or um, even next year is, is, is very difficult. The, the short-term picture is very hard to predict, if not impossible, but I think the longer-term picture is easier. Right. Uh, for example, um, if if you ate a Big Mac uh, every single day for lunch from now until the end of the month, how much you know, how much weight would you put on, for example? I mean, I don't really know. But what if you did that every day for three years? Right. It would probably be easier to predict that in a couple of years from now than it would be in, in, in two weeks. And so that kind of gives you an idea. Like when you when you see these things happening now, it's easier to predict where they'll be in the future. And so one of the things I saw this week, which was which was massive, uh, and, and I guess it's it's sweeping through the industry is we're seeing multiple stadiums, uh, football basketball stadiums um, being being sponsored by, you know, cryptocurrency companies. We saw um, the Staples Center in Los Angeles um, be uh, renamed uh, the Crypto.com Arena. I believe uh, one of the big stadiums, I think in Miami, is uh, sponsored by FTX, which is a big cryptocurrency um, exchange. And uh, this week, we also saw a basketball team, the, the Houston Rockets, have actually partnered in a sponsorship deal that's going to pay them out in Bitcoin, which is pretty big. Now, you might have seen or heard of things like this happening before. As a matter of fact, I've talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago. I talked about um, the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, has agreed to be paid in Bitcoin. I think uh, Tom Brady, the quarterback, is also being paid in Bitcoin. Uh, we've seen uh, Francis Suarez. He's the mayor of uh, Miami. He was, like I think, the first one who came out and said he was going to be paid in Bitcoin. Now we've seen, I think, I want to say five, four or five other mayors have come out saying they want to be paid in Bitcoin. Even even the mayor, I believe it's the new mayor of New York City, said that they want to um, be paid in Bitcoin. Um, and it's just so it's just spreading, right? It's just spreading and spreading and spreading, right? We want to look at the growth, the growth of the network. And it's like spreading like wildfire. I mean, one, uh, one mayor said he wants to be paid. One athlete, I think the first athlete I really remember um, – was Russell Lacong. He's a football player. He was very, very outspoken in getting paid in, in Bitcoin as a football player. That was probably two years ago. He's been super vocal. And now we're seeing athletes just left and right um, um, choosing to be paid in Bitcoin. Um, and then you have one mayor like Francis Suarez in Miami and say Miami's going to be the, the Bitcoin epicenter of the country. And now five other mayors, including New York City, have come out and said that. And now New York City wants to compete with um, Miami to be the main uh, Bitcoin um, center. 
Um, and so that's the way um, to understand Bitcoin, you have to understand a lot of things. And that's why it's difficult for most people to get it. You have to understand a lot of things. And so some of those things are history and monetary systems and currencies and technology. Um, but you also have to understand philosophy, like human incentives, and you have to understand game theory. And so this is the game theory, right? It's like, um, it's like a game of musical chairs. Uh, when the music stops, there's not going to be enough chairs for everyone to go around. And so who's going to get those chairs first? And of course, with Bitcoin, there's a hard cap. There will never be more than 21 million. Now, that might sound like a lot, but let me put that into perspective for you. There's about approximately 50 million millionaires in the world. So there's not even enough Bitcoin for all the millionaires in the world to own half of one. And uh, we have some people like uh, Michael Saylor who owns hundreds of thousands of them. I don't own anywhere near that many, but I definitely own um, some. And uh, that means there's not even enough, uh, there's not, there's nowhere even close for these millionaires to get half of one. That I mean, that's just how scarce it is. So that the music is starting to stop <laughs> and everybody's grabbing their chairs. That's what the mayors are doing. Um, that's what these athletes are doing. We're even seeing nations do this, right? So El Salvador announced that they were going to uh, move to um, using Bitcoin as a currency. And now other nations are starting to do the same thing. Uh, but back to this news that broke this week was the Houston Rockets, which I think was pretty big. And what I liked about the Houston Rockets deal is it wasn't just like a personal kind of selfish thing. So what I mean by that is, uh, you know, if uh, Aaron Rodgers, as I talked about, chooses to get paid in Bitcoin, I mean, that's great for him right? Um, it increases his Bitcoin stack. It doesn't really do much about uh, much about other people and the, and the Bitcoin space overall. But um, here, the NBA team, you know, the Houston Rockets um, took it on. And it says that they partnered with Nidig in a sponsorship deal paid in Bitcoin. And the team will provide Bitcoin education programs for the community and Bitcoin rewards and payment options for fans. So that's what I mean, selfish. And and uh, I don't take that word the wrong way. What, but what I mean is Aaron Rodgers is going to buy Bitcoin. That's great for him. But this is the team is going to provide Bitcoin education programs for the community. Right? So they're going to reach out and start building education programs for the people and really blow this up. And again, remember, we're looking for two things, right? The growth of the network and, uh, and the development on the network. So this is the growth of the network. They're actively... Um, building out programs to grow the network. And that's massive. Of course, uh, you're probably, we probably have plenty of sports fans listening to this and they understand how much influence these sports fans have or these athletes have and these brands have. And so when they're saying, hey, you should educate yourself on Bitcoin and then even better, they're paying Bitcoin rewards um, and, and allowing fans to pay in Bitcoin. I mean, I think that's just going to be massive. Um, they said that Bitcoin is uh, provides a creative reward payment options for their fan base and associates. Um, and it says uh, the Rockets, quote, the Rockets will be hashtag paid in Bitcoin. Um, so I think that's massive. I think that's 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 awesome. Um, deliver new opportunities, new experiences for the Rocket fans, for the city of Houston. Um, of course, they're Houston, Texas, which Houston has become the epicenter, literally the leader, the global leader in Bitcoin mining. Uh, the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, has even been talking about um, 
making Bitcoin a main currency in the state. So I guess it's no surprise that the Houston Rockets are the first ones to do this. But think about the growth that this will create. Think about the buzz that this will create. And then, like I said, not just in them using it selfishly, like, hey, we're going to put part of our savings into it. But no, we're going to create programs to educate people and incentivize people to use it. That is massive. And so when I see that, that tells me that the that the network is going to grow. And when the network grows, the price is going to grow after that. Now, I want to talk about some other things that are really going to trigger Bitcoin's growth even faster. Um, I'm going to show you some numbers that are going to probably blow your mind. Uh, by the way, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. And of course, we're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution. We'll be right back. I'll tell you more about Bitcoin's skyrocket. All right. Welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about Bitcoin, of course, each and every week. Don't miss it. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And I'm trying to give you the play-by-play -play each and every week so you have the information that you need to be well-equipped, to be properly equipped, to be positioned to take advantage of this, the biggest opportunity you'll ever have. Um, and if you listen to me each and every week, I promise you, you're going to have information that most people don't have. So when you go to those parties, uh, you're going you're to sound like the smartest guy there. So if there's no other reason, uh, just so you're cool, go ahead and listen to me. Uh, but it would probably be much more profitable for, the, for you than that over the long run. Now, before the break, I was talking about um, the, again, right, the, I say it over and over, the price is a distraction. We want to look at the network growth and the development. And we look at the network growth. We look at the amount of people, the number of people using it. We were talking about the Houston Rockets. The, the basketball team um, is going to start um, allowing people to pay in Bitcoin, um, provide education for the community, um, incentives, rewards, et cetera. And so that's going to that's just going to accelerate the adoption, accelerate the growth of the network so fast that it's just going to blow minds. Um, but there's some other things that are going on that are going to do that even more. And one of those things is that um, the Bitcoin will continue to look more and more attractive in U.S. dollars terms because the U.S. dollar itself is, is continuing to go down and down and down. What do I mean by that? Well, a lot of people think that their homes have become more valuable. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. My home used to be $500,000 and now it's $800,000. My house went up in value. Mm, I hate to break it to you. Um, your home didn't go up in value. The dollars became worth less and now it takes more dollars to buy that home. Um, I... Uh, I recently bought some property out in, in the Austin, Texas area, and I was talking to some other friends that are out there, and one of them um, bought a house on Lake Travis, which is a, I'm not on the lake, but uh, on Lake Travis out there of Austin, and he bought his house a year ago for $10 million and just sold it one year later for $22 million. Insane. <laughs> bought it for $10 million and sold it for $22 million, but guess what? The house didn't go up in value. The dollars lost value. It takes more dollars to buy those things. And so as the dollar continues to lose purchasing power, it, those dollars purchase less homes today than they did before, people look for ways to increase their purchasing power. And so as the dollar is going down and Bitcoin is going up in value, Bitcoin continues to look more and more attractive. That's why we'll continue to see the network grow. Now, uh, as I said, uh, as those dollars are losing value, 
for, for a number of reasons, but primarily because the government, the central banks cannot stop printing them. They cannot stop creating money. They are printing, they're creating money like it is going out of style, like we've never seen any time in all of history. As a matter of fact, somewhere between 30 to 40% of all the dollars in existence today were created in the last year and a half. Wow. That is amazing. I mean, we've just never seen um, growth like that. Uh, we've seen about 25% inflation per year. What that means is that prices, they created about, um, the money supply increased about 25% um, in the year. And then we see prices go up by about 25% in a year. Now, some places like Lake Travis go up 100%. Some places go up less than 25%. But on average, that's what we've seen. But they want to spend even more money. They can't get enough. As a matter of fact, last week, the world leaders all met in uh, Glasgow at this climate um, climate summit, and they uh, they made a bunch of big proclamations, a bunch of big moves, and um, they basically came back saying that in order to save the world, we have to destroy it. <laughs> they didn't actually say that, but they said in order to save the world, we have to act quick and we have to do all this spending to save the environment, to go green. Uh, we want to go net zero is actually the quote that they said. And they came back and um, they put this report together of all these things that we have to do in order to get to net zero per this uh, COP26 is, is what they met on. And so in order to achieve the transition to clean technologies in all sectors at an unprecedented pace would be required, they said, that they're going to have to steer the government's and willingness of society. That's the key word. We have to steer governments and the willingness of society because society ain't going to want to go along with this. Um, and guess what? It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of money. As a matter of fact, it's going to cost more money than we've ever seen in the history of the world. I don't know where they're going to get it from, um, but they're going to somehow get it. I'm guessing they're going to print it. The money printers are going to be printing all night long, worrying like, uh, like machines. And so um, Bank of America basically went through all of the um, proposals that were put together to get to net zero. And Bank of America came out with a report and said that um, they said, the key question is, how much will it cost? Question mark. Well, Bank of America um, writes that $150 trillion will need to be spent over the next 30 years, which is $5 trillion per year. Now, I know we go numb to numbers, so maybe that doesn't mean a lot to you. Um, but let me just, man, man, it's such a big number. How do we put that in, into perspective? Uh, basically, it's twice the current global GDP, twice, two times. So um, typically, you would <laughs> normally, uh, people like you and me, our businesses, our households, we would spend less money <laughs> than we bring in. Uh, the government should also spend less money than they bring in. That's the GDP. But uh, no, they want to um, spend twice the current global GDP, $5 trillion in annual investments, um, $150 trillion. Now, to put this into even more perspective, um, the entire debt of the United States uh, over the last, I mean, 200 years is now up to a, an eye break, you know, uh, a nosebleed uh, height of about $28 trillion. Um, which, as I said, about 40% of that is created in the last year and a half, um, $28 trillion. They want to spend 150 
150, 30. They want to spend 30. I mean, it's just it's just insane. It's just insane. Uh, but what's going to happen? Well, the they're going to print more dollars. The value of those dollars will continue to go down and down and down. They'll be buying less. Gasoline will be $25 a gallon. Oil will be $300 a gallon. You probably won't be able to travel by air anymore because it'll be so expensive. Um, and that is only going to make Bitcoin look more and more attractive because, of course, they can't add to the supply of Bitcoin. It's fixed. They can't do that. So we're going to have one asset that they're printing so fast, they're manipulating so fast that it's going down in value. And then we have another asset that can't be manipulated and that will be going up in value. And when people start to see that um, contrast, of course, they're going to be jumping over into the new asset. Um, now, that's what Bank of America said, $150 trillion, but some estimates say even more. As a matter of fact, um, the BNEF has a higher estimate. They say the total investment needed for energy supply and infrastructure could be as high as $173, $173 trillion, almost $6 trillion annually. Um, but there's something that will happen before we get to that level. There's a trigger that was predicted by one of my favorite economists that I want to talk about when we come back. Um, something that when this trigger happens, it's like a floodgate is going to happen. Um, so I'm going to tell you about that when I get back. By the way, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about this decentralized revolution. We're talking about potentially the end of currency as we know it. Um, don't go away. We're going to listen. We're going to come back and talk about um, the, the trigger point. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. I want to tell you that we're talking about Bitcoin because you should join me each and every week because we're literally sitting on the biggest shift to humanity that we've ever seen. It's a technological revolution. Um, I know a lot of people are trying to figure out like what's going on with the technology and what are these NFT things and can I make a JPEG that I can buy on the blockchain? But it's way bigger than that. We have way bigger problems than that. And this is going to be way more monumental than that. So um, we're not talking about Pokemon cards um, on blockchains. I'm sorry. Um, We are talking about the problem in the world that's happening right now that is going to create um, a massive problem for most people, but also potentially the biggest opportunity of your life if you're paying attention. Now, before the break, I was talking about how um, as the dollar value is going down, meaning the purchasing power, meaning it purchases less and less and less um, because they're printing more and more and more, um, that is going to make more and more people want to go to Bitcoin, right? So they're manipulating the money supply, printing more money. I talked about how um, under the new um, climate change that they did at the COP26 last week, uh, they want to spend about $150 trillion um, to somehow, you know, reduced greenhouse gases or something like that. And so that is only going to continue to make the dollar worth less or worthless. Um, And more and more people will be jumping ship out of that sinking boat and moving into um, something that can't be manipulated. Now, there's there's a process that was highlighted by one of my favorite economists. Uh, His name is Ludwig von Mises. And um, he, he, he illustrated or he, he actually kind of laid this out for us in something that he calls a crack up boom. All right. A crack up boom. And a crack up boom is an economic crisis that involves a recession in the real economy and a collapse of the monetary system due to continual credit expansion uh, resulting in unsustainable rapid price increases. All right. So think about that. Um, it's a, it's an economic crisis, so the economy that involves a recession, right? Sound familiar? And then, and then the the monetary system do a continual credit expansion. So the economy is failing. Um, in Southern California, we have you know all these ships off the port. We used to have none off the coast, and now they're stretching from Long Beach all the way to San Diego. You guys probably don't know how far that is, but it's like hundreds of miles. I think there was 110 ships at some point sitting off off the coast. The economy is falling apart um, while 
the monetary system has this continual credit expansion. So the Biden administration, the, the Brandon administration is continuing to try to push more money through. 1.9 trillion for this, another 3.5 trillion for this. And now, as I said, they want to come up with $150 trillion. Um, and so where do they get that? Through credit expansion. So at the same time, right? So the economy's falling apart, the credit expansion is happening. So it's really those two key features, right? Excessively expansionary monetary policy, right? in addition to the normal consequences, and two, um, which leads to hyperinflation. So that's kind of what, what the setup is. I want to read you a couple of things here. Now, um, I, there might be a lot of economists listening to this. There might be a lot of uh, people who majored in economics in college, and you might not be familiar with what's known as Austrian economics or the Austrian school of economics. And that's because it's purposely not taught to you. And the reason why it's purposely not taught to you is because it doesn't make um, printing money unlimited seem like a good idea. <laughs> and so uh, they don't want anybody to think that. So in the Austrian business cycle theory, in the normal course of an economic boom would be driven, um, driven by an expansion of money and credit, the structure of the economy becomes distorted in ways that eventually result in shortages of various commodities and types of labor. All right, I'm reading that um, I'm reading that word for word. So in the normal course of an economic boom driven by expansion of money, again, right, expanding the money supply. So for those of you guys who don't know, in, uh, in uh, 1971, we broke the gold standard and we've been expanding the money supply. The gold standard kept the U.S. dollar supply fixed, tied to gold. And since then, it's been expanding. So it's an expan expansion of money. So an economic boom driven by the expansion of money and credit, which is what we've had, right? Um, the, it says the structure of the economy becomes distorted in ways that eventually result in shortages of various commodities and types of labor. So the economy becomes distorted because money is what, what is what communicates value. The price is the signal that helps coordinate things. So how do I know if I should make more of one thing and less of another? Well, the price. If nobody will buy anything for it, then I should probably stop making it. If a lot of people pay a lot of money for it, I should probably make more. The price is what coordinates 8 billion people around the world. But when that becomes distorted, as it says, because of the fake money that was poured in, it results in shortages of various commodities and types of labor. Does that sound like what we have going on right now? Supply chains are backed up. Why? Because they don't have the parts they need. Why? Because they can't get the supplies. Why? Because they can't get the commodities. Why? We have, we have shortages of labor. That sound familiar? Now, everybody thinks this is transitory. We don't understand why. Joe Biden promises he's going to get to the bottom of this. He's going to file, uh, uh, he's going to look at the SEC and have them start um, looking into businesses to figure out if they're doing some unfair things. No, 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 no. It's the expansion of money and credit. <laughs> it was predicted 100 years ago, okay? So then, um, which then lead to increasing consumer price inflation. So it results in shortage of various commodities and types of labor, which then lead to increasing consumer price inflation. Sound familiar? Then I'm going to read again. The rising prices and limited availability of necessary inputs and labor put pressure on businesses and cause a rash of failures of various investment projects and business bankruptcies. This is known as the real resource crunch, which triggers the turning point in the economy from boom to bust. All this, we knew this was going to happen. 
This is what happens when you have a monetary expansion. This is why they don't teach Austrian uh, Austrian economics in colleges. They don't want you to know this. Uh, one of my other favorite economists, uh, Frederick Hayek, uh, he's also, also from the Austrian school. Now, he actually won a Nobel Prize in economics in the 70s. Um, so they did recognize it back then. That was, of course, when we were still on the gold standard. Um, and he famously described the situation as like grabbing, quote, grabbing a tiger by the tail. <laughs> Once the central bank decides to accelerate the process of credit expansion and inflation in order to head off any recession risk, then it continually faces the same choice of either accelerating the process further or facing an even greater risk of recession as distortions build in the real economy. So um, again, they warned us uh, 50 years ago that this was happening. Once it starts, you can't stop. Um, you either, one, have to continue go, which continues to make the problem worse, or you stop, which puts the whole system at, at, at risk and, cr and crashes everything. And so you want to know why supply chains aren't working. You want to know why uh, things aren't working. You understand. I was trying to fly home from Miami uh, on Monday to back to my house in Puerto Rico, and my flight was delayed, and it was delayed again. And then there was a problem with the plane and then, um, they had to, they had to get us another plane and then the crew timed out and had to go home. Like this stuff happens all the time. Now this didn't used to happen. The world used to work. Boats used to get unloaded. <laughs> Planes used to fly. All these problems are a symptom of what's going on. Now this is putting, um, you know, putting stress is putting pressure on the dollar. They're creating more and more dollars to try to that's their only option, but it makes them worth less, which then makes Bitcoin more attractive. It's it's the safety valve. Now, there's a point, there's a trigger where something happens, and I want to explain to you what that is because you don't have time. Once this trigger happens, you don't have time to make a move afterwards. You have to make a move before the trigger happens. Of course, you have to buy you have to buy insurance on your house before the fire burns it down, not after. And so. I want to tell you about this uh, trigger that's potentially coming um, because, like I said, if you wait until you see it, it's going to be too late. And so I want to show you right now how we can see it's already about to trigger. Uh, we'll talk about that. Of course, you listen to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about why, why Bitcoin, why Bitcoin is about to explode and why you might want to consider getting a little bit. Listen to Mark Moss. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about economics. We're talking about the economy. We're talking about warnings that were given to us a long time ago by Ludwig von Mises and Friedrich Hayek from the Austrian School of Economics. The reason why we're talking about those things is because that is why Bitcoin is here today. That is why Bitcoin will be here in the future. And that is why you probably want to go buy some, if not a bunch of Bitcoin right now. Um, everybody, <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for about seven years now and it never fails. You know, last week when Bitcoin pumped up to its, its high, you know, shot up to about $69,000, I'm getting text messages from people I haven't talked to in five years. Should I buy it? Should I buy it? Is it too late? What do you think? Right? All these things. They're failing to take the time to understand why. Why would I buy it? 
Why would I think it would go up in the future? Why? Uh, and if I understand why I think it would go up, then where will it go? How high will it go? We have to understand why. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about economics. And I know it's not the, the most fun or most sexy uh, <laughs> subject or topic. I'm trying to make it some enter entertaining for you. And we were talking about what Ludwig von Mises called the crack up boom. And he basically told us that, um, you know, when you expand the money supply, when you have an economic boom driven by an expansion of money and credit, um, then you get um, the economy becomes distorted and you have shortages and you have you know commodity shortages, labor shortages. Um, it leads to consumer price inflation. Now, um, the, the, the leaders of this country today can't seem to figure out what's going on with inflation, but that's it. It's, it's right there in front of us. Now, what's important to understand is that Ludwig von Mises talks about in this crack up boom, he says that um, with each subsequent round of credit expansion and prices increase, then people can no longer afford these high prices. Uh, so then central banks have to expand even more to accommodate more prices. Uh, and basically what happens is the, the, the central bank has to continue to be involved. They have to continue to um, stimulate the economy, which is exactly what they're doing. So Biden says, hey, let's go and uh, we're going to go fix the, the problem with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the ships that can't get unloaded in Long Beach, or let's go fix the problem with high gas prices, or let's go fix um, you know, the, 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 uh, the climate or whatever it is. But each time they do, it only makes the system worse and worse and worse. Now, the, the point that we get to at some point is this actual crack up boom. And basically what happens is that once the public realizes what's going on, which of course is why they're not telling you, uh, once the public realizes what's going on, once the public realizes that the quantity of money will just continually ever, um, expand, once the public realizes that inflation is not a problem, it's actually the goal. Like this price inflation, the price is getting more and more expensive every day on you, every year on you. Like um, gasoline getting more expensive, your house is getting more expensive, your food getting more expensive. That's not a symptom they're trying to solve. That's their goal. The stated goal of the central bank is 2% inflation. That's their goal. They want prices to be getting more expensive on you. They want your dollars to buy less and less goods in the future. That's their goal. This is not a conspiracy. Look it up. That's their goal. That means that you're losing 10% of your purchasing power every five years. That's what that means. And it's what, what Mises says is that once people realize that this money expansion is going, it can never stop and it's going to continue. Once they realize that inflation is actually the goal, then it stops. It cracks apart. Boom. Just like that. Why? Why does it do that? It's because something known as trust. Now, if any of you guys have ever been in a relationship, <laughs> any type of relationship, a business relationship, a marriage, a boyfriend, girlfriend, any kind of relationship, you know about trust. Trust is something that's very fragile. As a matter of fact, growing up, uh, my, my dad continually told me over and over and over and over and over again that it, it takes a lifetime to build up trust and it takes one instance to ruin it. A lifetime to build up trust and one instance to ruin it. That's how quickly it, it falls apart. Now, a lot of people think that the, that the dollar, the United States dollar, is backed by, some people still think it's backed by gold. Um, some people think it's backed by uh, the credit of the government. Uh, 
um, which whatever that means, because the credit of government is, is dollars. Some people think it's backed by the military. It's backed by the guns, right? It's backed by the military. Um, well, none of those things are right. None of those things are anywhere close to correct. Um, a military doesn't keep the dollar worth something. Um, countries that currencies fell all the time have militaries, and their currency still fails. The dollar is backed by trust, right? You have to trust that somebody else will take it from you in the future. Otherwise, you wouldn't hold it. Now, in Venezuela, where the currency blows up, um, people don't want to hold the currency. They don't trust it. As a matter of fact, you can find it lined up in the streets and people are scrambling to get into any other asset they can not hold that that currency. So they're trying to buy Bitcoin. They're trying to buy whatever they can buy, um, gold, um, food, whatever, anything they can buy rather than holding that money. And so it's backed by trust. And, and as I said, right, trust is very fragile. And once it's broken, it doesn't come back very easily. And so um, trust is what's holding the dollar. Now, you may not know this, but the, but the banking system in the United States, the Federal Reserve and the banking system runs on something called fractional reserve banking. And that means that when you deposit your money in the bank, your money doesn't sit there in the bank for you. As a matter of fact, the bank loans it back out. And for every um, $1 you put in, they can loan out about $9. And then um, they loan out those $9 to guys that buy more things. They buy a car, they bought a, a house, whatever, and that money goes in the bank. And then the bank makes more money off that. And that money goes in the bank and they make more money off that and on and on and on. So the bank doesn't have your money. If people have stopped trusting the banks and said, ah, I'm going to go get my money back, there's no money there. As a matter of fact, if, if, if about 1% of the people in the country gave up trust of the bank and said, I don't trust you, I want my money, I'll take the cash, 1% of the people going to the bank to pull their money out would cause an entire collapse of the system. That's how fragile trust is. Now, um, a new global survey came out um, just, uh, just late this week. And it said 41% of people globally say they trust Bitcoin over local currencies. That's trust. People don't trust their currency. People don't trust their governments. And of course, there's no reason why they should. They're lied to at every moment. And not only are they lied to, they're constantly censored and quieted. Um, they're constantly misled, right? So, so why could they? The, the, the leaders are always wrong. They're telling us that they don't know why inflation is here but it's right in front of our faces. We've known it all along. And so why should they trust us? And the thing about trust is, uh, again, back to a relationship with a business partner or a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, you know, you may suspect that business partner of doing something wrong um, and that trust is failing and it's failing and it's failing and you're starting to gather more info and more info and it's failing, it's failing, it's failing. And finally, it's broken. So you, you find that piece of info. Finally, something happens, and that trust is gone. It's never coming back. And that's where we're, that's where we're headed. That's the, that's the moment. That's the crack-up boom. We're, we're already at 41% of people say they trust Bitcoin more than their local currency. And uh, those people, they're continuing to build more information, more information, more information. That's why you see these athletes saying they want to get paid in Bitcoin. That's why you see um, – um, publicly traded companies saying they want to hold Bitcoin. That's why you're seeing governments now like El Salvador saying they don't want to hold dollars. They want to hold, um, they want to hold Bitcoin. And that's why the dollar is continuing to lose value. People don't trust it. They don't want to hold it. And you know, trust is fragile. It's about to be broken. And when it's broken at that moment, 
No one's going to hold it and everyone's going to go buy Bitcoin. The only question is, are you going to be in position before that happens? Or will you be one of those people trying to get in after the music stops? We like to say that everybody will buy at the price they deserve. But you have a chance to get in early. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. I'm trying to give you the head start. Grab your chair before the music stops because the crack up boom is coming. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.